0: Welcome to the 1000 Hours Outside podcast. My name is Ginny Urich. I am the founder of 1000 Hours Outside. Ooh, and I'm so tickled. I'm meeting Mary, one of the Marys from Five Marys Farm. Mary Heffernan, welcome. Oh, thanks Ginny. I'm so excited to be here to chat with you today. Well, this is so cool. My kids were like, how many Marys will be on the call? And I was like, I think just one Mary. But we have been huge fans for such a long time. And I have in my mind's eye this video, because you always have the coolest things in your stories. You're on this big farm. You got these four daughters. Everyone is named Mary. We could talk about that in a minute. But it's just kind of like running amuck. I saw a video of kids on some sort of electric vehicle pulling a sled. I mean, this, this is from years back. And it's one of those scenes where you're like, oh, they're living life. And I would love to be a part of that scene. And it's just so fun to watch. Brennan and buck is is a great description
1: of of how things go on the ranch. (laughs) But it's
0: like a full childhood and all of these things going on. So like I said, we've been fans for a really long time. And I'm so thrilled to get to talk to you for a little bit. Congrats. You had a new cookbook that just launched. I have both of the cookbooks. But the one that just launched is Five Mary's Family Style, uh, Recipes and Traditions from the Ranch. Huge congratulations. These are beautiful books and the other one ranch raised cookbooks I always like when it looks cute on your shelf too
1: yeah I made sure of that my I had to like fight my publisher like the spines have to align perfectly because I want them to look good next to each other on the shelf but yeah the cookbooks were definitely a labor of love about four or five years to make um, both of them but it's a really fun way to share our family recipes and traditions and we've got some fun DIYs in there so it's I'm glad they're finally out and on the shelf. And um, now we can just look at them as pretty things instead of being mired and all the details of publishing a cookbook.
0: Yeah, and all the stories you have in there. And it's a glimpse into your family life. So they're mm-hmm. real special. And this is coming out right before the holidays. And I always love to plug good holiday gifts. This would be beautiful. Can you imagine like for your sister in law, you know, a good friend, this is what they get wrapped up under the tree, the five Marys cookbook. So huge can Congrats. Okay. I, you. Loved, I loved getting ready for this podcast. One of my favorites because there were so many rabbit holes to go down. You have <laughs> so much going on, such a full and vibrant life. And one of the pieces is that you are an entrepreneur and you've been an entrepreneur since you were a kid, nine years old. So can you tell us about how that started and a little bit
1: of your entrepreneurship journey? Yeah, for sure. So I think I've always just had that bug and that desire to, you know, create businesses, see a need and fill it. I love all aspects of starting businesses from coming up with a name and a logo and designing, you know, marketing materials and websites. But when I was nine, you know, I didn't know that entrepreneur was a word or a thing, um, my dad was a lawyer and had the same job from the day he finished law school, worked at the same firm, and my mom was uh, a stay-at-home mom and did an amazing job fostering all this creativity in all of us. She's a real crafter and, you know, family traditions type of person. Um and I thought for a while, you know, I'd wanted to be a lawyer or a doctor or something that kind of fit the mold. And I didn't realize until after college that I didn't have to try to fit one of those molds and that I should follow this passion I'd been doing since I was nine years old. So I love to inspire young entrepreneurs to see that the, you know, the world is open to possibilities to start your own wow. businesses, be your own boss, um, write your own path. But yeah, when I was um nine, I started these little like t-shirt decorating businesses and then um when i was 13 old enough to babysit i realized that babysitting you know two or three kids all summer i could make x amount of dollars but if i babysat 20 kids at a time and made it a summer camp, I could make a lot more money. So I started Mary's summer fun camp in my backyard, um, had 15 to 20 kids each, each wow. week to one. And we just did activities and a talent show at the end where the parents all came and we barbecued and the kids put on this talent wow. show. Um, and I, you know, rollerblade down to the Kinko's with a flyer that I had made and copy it on those bright astro color papers and just lit <laughs> around town and put it in people's mailboxes. Um, So I'm really glad that by the time I, you know, was out of college and understanding like what my entrepreneurial options were, the internet existed (laughs) because as a child, you know, a a child of the analog (laughs) days, um, you had to work a little harder at those things, but it was a great, you know, start to me um, to just experiment with entrepreneurship. So by the time that I was an adult, um, I was, I kind of had some of those tools to use as a jumping off point. Uh, But it still took me a while. You know, I graduated from college pre-med and was planning on um, taking the MCAT and applying to medical school, which I did. Uh, But while I was doing that, I started tutoring kids and um, saw this huge need for tutors to you know help kids with their homework so i started a tutoring business leased a space you know on a wing and a prayer i was 21 in silicon valley leasing 2000 square feet of office space like no idea what i was doing um but i thought still even then i'm just going to get this started and then it'll help me pay for medical school and about halfway through that year um i said you know what i I really love what I'm doing. I love these late nights like, you know, building the website and figuring out a point of sale system and trying to drum up new customers and like I I can't go to medical school. I need to like I love this and I can't imagine leaving it. So that was kind of when my path definitely changed and ever since then, um I've sort of been a serial entrepreneur, starting businesses, you know, midnight I have an idea and by the next morning it's a business and my husband is very patient and rolls for the <laughs> rolls along with the punches. I mean well, what I saw through all of
0: the different business ventures is that they're all thinking through problems that people are having and how can you solve them? So mm-hmm. I love this GoGo Menlo. Is that, <laughs> is that
1: one of them? Tell us about yeah. that one. Well, at the same time that I had this tutoring center, you know, all these moms with young kids were desperate for babysitters or errand runners or, you know, help around the house. So it was basically the TaskRabbit model before TaskRabbit, which I really missed the boat on that one. <laughs> But um, it was basically a service. So, So I said, you know, I've got all these tutors, but you pay tutors a high price. And I don't want these moms hiring my tutors to go run errands for them and paying them less and then saying, hey, why don't you just help my kid with their homework? So we found people who had, you know, time in between jobs or whatever to really just do these little errands. And so we called them go-go girls and go-go guys. We were in Menlo park. So it was go-go Menlo. Um, And they all had hot pink polo shirts with the go-go Menlo um, logo. And everybody had pink razor cell phones. And we would just get calls all day of like errands that needed to be run from, you know, you know, tech guys who needed their fridge stocked with whole foods groceries to pick up my kid at camp. Um, We had one really sweet grandma who's 84 um, who had a secretly driving her to all of her appointments and to visit her kids because she'd gotten a DUI and she didn't want her children to know. (laughs) It was so sweet. She was like, I only had a glass of wine with lunch. And so we were like just helping all these people with things that they needed done in their life. And, um, it, uh, exactly like you said, it was just like, here's a need, how can we fill it? Yeah. And it just continued, right? So then mm-hmm. you're, you're saying, I want to go out
0: to eat. But what about a restaurant with a play space? You know, mm-hmm. you called it almost like a clubhouse. So you had that you had brilliant babies, right? Mm-hmm. There's this flexible drop off. So Kido, tell us how it transitioned into the restaurant space.
1: So it was in early 2000s in the Bay Area, Silicon Valley, where there was a lot of young families uh, with money to spend and people were always going to prioritize spending money on their kids. So I kind of knew that it was recession proof as best you can be to really focus on businesses um, where people would spend money on their kids because if they're going to hold back you know, their own fancy vacations, they're not really holding back on their kids. So we... Um, My husband and I had two little girls at the time. We loved to go out to eat. Um, I loved to go to lunch with my mom. But when you show up at any kind of restaurant with little kids, you kind of get the eye roll like, oh, a stroller or you need a, a high chair. My kids were decently behaved at restaurants, but like no kids are perfect. Mm -hmm. And it just was like never that much of an enjoyable experience. You know, you're rushed to leave. You finally get your food, but you've been done for 10 minutes and you've got, you know. (laughs) Right.
0: Do you ever, did you ever sit down? We would sometimes go and they would bring the kids out food out first. And you say, no, no, like you can't do that because then That's they're going to be done in five minutes and they're done. When they're done, you want to go. I mean, I remember we would say, bring us the food and the check. Cause as soon as we're done eating, we are rolling out, you know, no yeah. one will last any extra minutes.
1: No, you're just like sipping that last drink. Like, oh my gosh, I got to get out of here. Mm-hmm. So my husband and I said, you know, how great would it be to have a place that was kid friendly, but not Chuck E. Cheese, you know, we can still have like a nice aesthetic, a nice place to go with a great menu. Cause I was also burnt out on the kids options being pizza and chicken fingers. And I was like, why can't we have some healthy options for the kids? So what started as a clubhouse idea where we thought, you know, the seats would be like booths with pods and you could have magnetiles that you'd bring out from under the seats and you could, you know, throw your kids on the floor and be comfortable and feel welcome to stay as long as you want. It turned into a actual playroom in the back. So the the house that we renovated, it was like an old library. Um and it had this back porch that was kind of dilapidated, but it was a step down into this porch. So we turned that into a proper kind of classroom. Um, it had a big fish tank. It had a, um, a outdoor area with tricycles and you know blocks and all the things you can imagine. Kind of a Montessori based um, classroom. And we always had two teachers or childcare providers down there so that you could have that family time together, eat as a family we had bento boxes for the kids with Mm -hmm. like edamame and pretzel crusted chicken and things that like you want to serve your kids, but you know, don't, you could make it home, but maybe even a little elevated where you'd feel like I'm going to go serve them, feed them some really good food there. Um, We had, you know, beets hidden in the pancakes and all the things. So you could eat together as a family and not have that like, Oh, this is a special date night. We had to pay for a babysitter. You're getting your family time. And then once the kids are done and squirmy, you check them into the playroom for an hour wow, and then Mary. You finally sit with your spouse and say, okay, now, you know, let's talk, let's catch up. Um, we didn't really mean to, to start a restaurant though, because we hadn't, you know, we both loved to cook, but had no experience in food industry. And I knew restaurants were very difficult um, and came with their own set of challenges. So we said, you know what, we're here in Silicon Valley, great restaurants. We'll just have the food catered in. Uh, but that turned into well, the health department wants you to build a full commercial kitchen, and once you have a full commercial kitchen, this doesn't really make sense to not just have someone cooking the food here. Um, so we literally opened a breakfast, lunch, and dinner seven days a week restaurant, and looked at each other that first day like, "Oh shoot, what did what did we just do?" <laughs> wow. And there were lots of challenges. Restaurants are, are very difficult, but um, it worked. It was popular. People loved it. They loved the concept. They loved the food. Uh, we mm-hmm. you know, had learning curves with staffing and food costs and all the things behind the scenes. But um, overall, it was, a, it was a great spot. People loved to come.
0: And if people read your story, what they get is it's just one step to the next. Mm-hmm. It's one brave step to the next to step away from the med school, to follow your heart, to say, oh, I really like this. I'm going to pursue this a little bit more. All intertwined with this goal to help families, to say, Mm -hmm. these are needs that are out there and we're going to help fill them. And then you have one restaurant and then that's turned into moving to a ranch and a butchery and all this. So where are you at now in the entrepreneurship? I think I read somewhere that you have 20. Is
1: that what I read? I've started (laughs) I've started over 20 different businesses. Right now, we wow. have like five. That was the number but, then. You've had yeah. you started over 20 <laughs> businesses. But
0: that's great because that gives you the foundation to build on for the next thing. And you have so much knowledge from mm-hmm. every single thing that you've started that you can incorporate in what comes next. So what are the businesses at the
1: moment? So when we had this restaurant, um, we really were passionate about great quality ingredients. Um, To us, to both of our families, that's always how we cooked. Start with good quality, great quality meats, great quality veggies. And it's not that complicated. You can make delicious meals without getting overly complicated. So we um, we wanted really good quality meats and that were also sourced well, you know, had all the buzzwords. And we had a really hard time sourcing them for the restaurant. And what we found is that a lot of what a lot of restaurants were doing was, you know, talking to a farm once, buying their meat once, and then kind of putting their name on the menu and then like phasing out using them because it was too difficult or they didn't have the Hmm. supply. And we were just like, not okay with that. We're like, we want to find a supply that we feel so good about uh, feeding our customers um, and feeding our own family and supporting, you know, a farmer rancher who's raising it. So we looked all over. And long story short, we just couldn't find anybody doing what we wanted for the quality that we wanted and doing it year round. So we naively thought, you know, we're just going to do this ourselves. (laughs) Our my brother in law, Brian's sister married a fifth generation cattle rancher. We knew he could help us out figuring out the logistics of this. Um, And I think, you know, we were a little bit naive thinking that we could jump into that and keep both lives going. You know, can I have this? Mm-hmm. We had yeah, nine I mean, you had a like just weekend. We'll just do it on the right. weekends. <laughs> and that's what we thought. And I think, you know, subconsciously, we just wanted that so badly. And, you know, what a lot of your audience wants is like we wanted to be outside with our kids. We wanted to be exploring. We wanted to do, be doing all these things. And um, so we thought, well, we'll just make it work. So we'll be at our Silicon Valley life during the week. With our nice house with all the amenities. And we had nine businesses at the time we were running with these restaurants. Um, And then we'll go on the weekends to this (laughs) ranch six hours north and stay in this, you know, tiny little cabin with (laughs) 700 square feet with a kids share one mattress. And there's no, you know, it's a wood stove for heat and there's no dishwasher, but like this will be our thing. And so we did that um, for six weeks, eight weeks, driving back and forth six hours with four kids. They were, One, two, four, and five at the (laughs) time. We had four car seats in the truck. And um, we just loved being on the ranch. You know, the kids just immediately got out of the car. Their shoes were thrown in a ditch somewhere. And they were running wild and free all weekend. And we loved being like actually physically doing work as a family. You know, there was so much to do on the ranch. We bought a very dilapidated ranch that needed everything. And so, you know, we'd be building fence or digging trenches and we'd be out there together as a family, you know, even with young kids, like here's a shovel, (laughs) learn how to help. Mm -hmm. Um, And after eight weeks, we just looked at each other, driving back to the Bay Area and kind of said, you know, we are we can't do both of these things well and we have to pick one and we both immediately were just like, we want the ranch. So it was the easiest decision we've ever made. It was very hard to unwind this life we've created. Um, In Silicon Valley, we, my husband was, had a law practice, you know, we had businesses, we sold our pretty house. Like we basically jumped off like that fast track, busy, you know, it's easy, There's a lot of opportunity. It's easier to be successful in the Bay Area. Um, we kind of just risked putting all that behind us to move to this 760 square foot cabin in a town of 630 people and said, this is what we want for our kids. This is what we want for our life. We're proud of this meat we're raising really well. You know, that was part of the problem is we didn't want somebody else raising our livestock while we were gone. So we're like, we want to do this together as a family. We know we can produce really great quality meat to feed families. Um, we just have to recreate a whole business plan to figure out how we're going to make this successful. and being successful as first generation ranchers is historically wow. almost impossible. Um, wow. but you know we with looked- a
0: one two, four and five year old. yeah we've never done it and you're in the little house. it mm-hmm. was incredible.
1: Yeah, it, it was a huge lifestyle change, but we re- I really never looked back.
0: Wow, it's been about a decade at this point that you about
1: been uh yeah, almost nine years. Wow. What and a my story. Wasn't sure I could hack it <laughs> going from you know an amenitized life to a non. So we didn't sell the house for a couple months. Um, but and that little house that we moved into, we thought this, you know, we could do this for a year and then we'll have to build a nice house. And what we learned was we spend all our time outside. When we come inside, it's to warm up by the fire and eat yeah. dinner together around a little table and go to bed. Wow. And we loved what that little house brought us in this togetherness. So we're working hard all day. We have these beautiful views. We don't need a house with big windows with a view. We just want to like sit around with our, you know, warming our hands by the fire with a warm drink and, and go to bed together where we're all yelling from bed, you know, good night, good night. Ah. Um, and, we, and then we're up early again the next morning. So for seven years we were in that little tiny cabin. Wow. Wow. And- thinking it would be one, <laughs> thinking it would yeah. be one year, seven yeah. years.
0: When the skies open up while others seek shelter, I embrace the rain. Heading to my favorite hike, the raindrops are like a soothing melody and my vessies ensure Each step is dry and comfortable, turning a simple outing into a rather delightful experience. Whenever my kids and I are stepping into a great outdoors adventure, I love wearing Vessi's Stormburst boots to capture the beauty of springtime landscapes. Their robust style is perfect for our nature excursions, adding a little dash of elegance to our outdoor explorations. This spring, transform how you view wet weather with Vessi. Their Dymatex technology makes their shoes not just waterproof, but a stylish barrier against rain and puddles. Whether it's a sudden downpour or a planned seaside walk, Vessi shoes ensure your feet stay dry and comfortable. Embrace the essence of spring with Vessi. From chic city walks to adventurous treks, find the perfect pair for your lifestyle. At slash outside and enjoy an automatic 15% off your first order upon checkout. That's V E S S I dot outside for 15% off your first order. I have been looking for simple ways to form healthy habits and get the nutrients my body needs when my immune system feels unsupported. And that's why I decided to give AG1 a try. Not only does AG1 deliver my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics and more, but it's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. It's just one scoop mixed in water once a day, every day, and it makes me feel nourished and ready to face the day. As a parent, longevity is on my mind more than ever before. I want to make sure I'm taking really good care of myself so I can continue to show up for the moments that matter with my kids every day. AG1 helps me build long-term health with daily nutrients that support brain, gut, and immune health. All it takes is one scoop a day, and I'm setting myself up for the long run. AG1 is a supplement I trust to provide the support my body needs daily, and that's why I'm excited to welcome them as a new partner. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash 1000. That's drinkag1.com slash 1000. Check it out. Yeah, we popped into the attic, so we had a little bit more square footage up there, and uh-huh. the girls kind
1: of shared that. I attic remember and, seeing
0: your stories from back then. Kids are dragging mattresses around, and, and all sorts of different pallets. Things. And, yeah. <laughs> yes, I remember all those, which yeah. you you look back on so fondly. I mean, those are the memories mm-hmm. that you have forever, and the experiences that they have forever. And I had seen on your website that you offer an ebook about parenting Mm-hmm. letting kids do it. And yeah. so you, but you see that in your story that you are, the kids are involved and they're engaged. I just saw, well, just today I saw one of your daughters is running through and there's like a goat herder. They're all following her. I've never seen anything yeah. like that. Maybe she had she their bottles the bottle or me. something.
1: Yeah, she did.
0: <laughs> yeah. She did. Just yeah. You know, you've seen it with dogs, but I've never seen it with goats. They're just following <laughs> along. It's so cute. The little little lambs.
1: They're involved. Yeah, well, I mean, what I found is when we moved to the ranch, my parenting style was really drastically changed because of necessity. You know, it wasn't like, so I've written, I wrote this 96 page digital book called They Can Do It um, that really talks about what changed for us and how my kids became so much more capable really in a short time period because they were we were all kind of forced to. Um and it's not so much a parenting book because you know none of us are parenting experts. <laughs> I'm right. definitely not. Same. It was more just my experience with the eye-opening mm-hmm. days I had saying, you know what, this it's more like you know an, an old school life where The family is all busy caring for your animals. When you have animals to care for on this scale, there's no whining about being cold or hungry. You know, you're like, your animals come first. And we have a rule in our family that the animals eat first. So, you know, sometimes in summer, that means we're sitting down to dinner at at 10 o'clock at night, but that's everybody's first priority. So even with little kids, you know, I I quickly realized that I couldn't do everything in the home and for the kids that I'd been doing, Mm -hmm. you know, they come up to me like, here, we fill my sippy cup with water. And I was used to like, oh, yeah, you know, here you go. And now it was like, there's the faucet. <laughs> no, I can't do it. Right. Yeah, yeah. you can do Out it. And, you know, mm-hmm. Right. There's a bunch of dirty laundry and somebody needs to make dinner and, you know, telling my four year old, like you, you need to go do the laundry. And I, th- I always compare it to, you know, the, 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 Really, it's about setting higher expectations because people will say, oh, my four-year-old could never operate the washer dryer. I'm like, your four-year-old can operate your iPhone. I'm pretty Mm -hmm. sure they can operate those buttons on your washer dryer. So it was just kind of forcing the kids into like, hey, we need some help here. Can you do that? Can you do that? And they felt so empowered. You know, it wasn't this like, oh, my gosh, now we live on a ranch and I got to work all the time. It was like, yes, I'm part of this. Yeah. These goats are going to follow me. I mean, how cool. (laughs) Yeah, they've experience. had lots of baby animals sleeping in bed with them and that, you know, they all, there are going to be great little mothers because they've had so many experiences where they're caring for a baby animal where they have to wake up every two hours to syringe feed it or bottle feed it and they, you know, set an alarm and and do that. For days on end until this animal is like strong enough. And, and those aren't things we ask them to do. You know, they see that they see this animal needs our help and somebody needs to be responsible for it. And mom and dad can't do everything. So um, it really changed my parenting style to completely raise my expectations of them. And as a result, they became so capable and independent Mm -hmm. and problem solving um, very quickly.
0: Yeah. And they're a lot like you. They're seeing needs and they're filling them, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, as, as, younger, that as younger kids and what an awesome opportunity for them. So let's transition to the cookbook because each of the daughters who are all Mary, which I'm sure you talk about all the time. So real quick, though, for anyone who might not know where five Marys comes from, can you tell real quick?
1: Yes. Yeah, so um We have four daughters and my husband and I both come from big families. Uh, We didn't think we'd have all girls. So when we started this trend, we didn't really think it would go this far. But uh, we both have really important grandmothers and aunts on both sides that were named Mary. And I'm Mary, obviously. I never wanted to name my kid after myself, but I really wanted to honor my grandmother's names. So our first is Mary Frances and she goes by Francie. Um, and then our second is Mary Marjorie and she goes by Maisie and those were kind of honoring a, a two really important grandmothers to us. Mm-hmm. And then we really thought like, oh, we'll probably have boys next. And it was another girl <laughs> and We're like, well, we can't do Mary, Mary and Sally. So, um, luckily my wow. dad's mom was Mary Jane. So that's my third, um, daughter is Mary Jane and she goes by JJ. And then our fourth was another girl. And so she is Mary Teresa after one of my aunts and she goes by Tessa. So technically, it. are the five Marys? Five Marys and Brian. And Brian, <laughs> and he came up with the name. So people are always like, "Does he feel left out?" I'm like, "Nope, it was his idea."
0: Oh, <laughs> I mean, it's fantastic! So the girls are highlighted in this new cookbook, Five Marys Family Style. They each have a recipe. Just beautiful photos in there, and I'm going to tell you what I what I love most about the cookbook, Mary. Here's what I love: I am not good at anything the first time that I do it. I always fail. And then after you do something once, then you're like, oh, if I would have done it this way, it would have gone better. And you help everyone avoid those pitfalls in this cookbook. (laughs) I've actually never really seen that much in cookbooks. It was like menu tips. I wrote an example down here. Prep the kale while the pasta bakes and while the pasta cooks, roast the kale and the garlic bread together. So all of those things about prepping ahead and all sorts of alternatives, even I thought really it spoke to what you do which is a lot of entertaining scale up scale down you've got a large family like ways to stretch the menu so Mm -hmm. i saw even last night you took one of your recipes and fed a huge crowd chili so can you can you talk about that
1: yeah, well, thank you so much for those compliments. I love that you've noticed those details on the cookbook, because that is so important to me, um, is being able to feed a large family without a lot of stress, you know, the, mm. the memories are made around the table, no matter what. Uh, and I always think it's so hard when, you know, the host is so stressed about everything being perfect or getting everything on the table, they're not really enjoying it. Mm. So we really try to give tips in the recipes about how to streamline it, make it easier, keep them as simple as we can. They're all very flexible if you don't have an ingredient. Don't worry about it. If you're missing a spice, don't worry about it. Um and we try to focus on like how to use leftovers, so like our pulled pork or our um our chili in the first cookbook, there's chili recipe. And the next page is a leftover chili Mac. So you make mac and cheese and then add the leftover chili. And it's like a whole nother meal. Um, And one page in the new family style cookbook has 10 things you can do with ground beef. So they're not even... I have that one written down for me. That's fantastic.
0: I mean, I circled it. I don't know people like writing their cookbooks. I write in mine. But I circle because I'm like, this is such an important thing to come back to. You can tell that it comes from someone who's a part of a family, that it really is a cookbook that you can integrate into your daily living. And Mm -hmm. so I have, there's so many great ones in there. Just ones that are interesting things I'd never seen, like the garlic bread, grilled, grilling garlic bread, like outside over a fire. I thought that was cool. The berry party tart is on the top of my list. That angel food cake, the angel food cake with the animal crackers is a darling. Yes, that's our family tradition yeah, so so many beautiful ones in there. And then, like I had said last night, I'd seen you had all your employees from all of your different businesses plus their families over, <laughs> and you're able to take these recipes and scale them for large groups,
1: yeah. you know, we had a busy day, and then we a Sunday night we were having all of our employees and their families over. And you know, I wasn't stressed about like, how am I going to feed all these people? I just grabbed my chili recipe that chili recipe in the new cookbook is one of my favorites and it was such a hit to all of these people and their kids they're like my kids don't eat chili and they love this but it's lighter on the beans and it has sweet potatoes in it which makes it like really hearty but not like too heavy um and it uses ground beef and brisket chunks which is a great use of brisket and also kind of just really bring elevates that chili but i just quadrupled the recipe i had three giant pots yeah it was so easy i was up at our Outdoor kitchen um, for a couple hours cooking. And you know, my husband and the kids are like, Do you want us to come help? I'm like, nope. <laughs> I'm just gonna enjoy this quiet time out here, looking outside, um, cooking for all these people that mean so much to us because they're you know a huge part of our operation. And it was it was easy. We had some chili fixins on the sides and some garlic bread we we toasted, and it was it was easy. But I love to try to make cooking what easy is and approachable. That, isn't that interesting though? Crowd. I mean, how many people were there? 70? Seventy five yes. says
0: who says it was easy when <laughs> they have seventy five people coming over. But these are accessible recipes, ones that you can scale up and scale down and use leftovers. And you just give all the tips and extra tips too. Even there was one about, I buy extra baguettes and I freeze them and you can freeze them with the butter on them. And Mm -hmm. then when you need that, here's what you do. And then you give the step-by-step. Sometimes I'm like, well, I don't even know how to thaw this. You know, I've gotten to this point, but now I don't know what comes next. And so you've come out with this cookbook that is helping people to not fail. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Which, <laughs> I love it. That's a huge compliment. Thank you. <laughs> uh and our kids just love looking through it, looking at all the recipes and looking at all of the photos. Was it hard to write two cookbooks? Or was it was it okay because they have a different theme?
1: They, you know, they have kind of different angles. And for me, I always thought the same thing. Like, how do these recipe, you know, developers and chefs come up with recipe after recipe? But really when you know, again, you're starting with good quality ingredients. There's so many possibilities of how to make these meats taste great in a simple, easy ways. So the first cookbook um, was kind of our like 75- favorite, you know, lots of family favorite recipes. And then the second one was a lot of fun because we really broke it down into these seasons. And then each season has a menu. And for Mm -hmm. me, that's how I love to think about food, you know, like, oh, I'll do this for the side and this for the bread and this for the main, and then pull this dessert in. Um, And we did some fun DIYs, like, you know, I love the DIYs. Yeah, the candles and the indigo. We've never done that. Indigo dyeing is really fun. You're you should do it with your family. It's a great mm-hmm. activity. You end up with blue fingers, but other than that, and they're it's really so pretty. Easy. Though you had all these different designs, and yeah. I liked the burlap. There was a lot of awesome DIY ideas. In yeah, we this have some, like one. dried orange slices to make a fun, easy oh. garland for the holidays. Yeah. They're just easy things that you can do together as a family or enjoy oh. by yourself. I'm all about moms just getting to do the craft and having a little quiet time as well. It doesn't always have to be a family activity.
0: Right. I think I like um, with the one cookbook, the first cookbook, it's broken down by ingredients. So here's some different recipes you can try. And I always have I've never done it, but I have this new year's resolution where I want to cook through an entire cookbook because I think you would learn so much, you know, you learn all these different things, but then with the new one, with family style, you bring it together as a whole meal and that's Mm -hmm. helpful here. You can take all these recipes that you've learned and here's some new recipes and here's how you put it all together in a package so that you're not just having, you know, a steak.
1: (laughs) There's all the other
0: things that go with it.
1: Easy crossover. One of my um, Mm -hmm. one of our customers is cooking her way through the family style cookbook, and it's been really fun to watch. It's like such an amazing feat, but she's um, she's been doing it since the cookbook come out came out, so it's really fun to watch that.
0: Well, that's my idea, but I've just never done it. Well, and you have you have challenges like you have right now an October dinner challenge, which I think is super fun. Tell us about that.
1: So we try to share, you know, recipes and just inspiration with our customers and our audience whenever we can. Um, We created a a magazine this year called Five Mary's Almanac that has seven ground beef recipes because I know everybody's dollar needs to go as far as it can these days. So we try to give some really great elevated recipes with ground beef. Um, And then we did this uh, family dinner challenge where we are challenging people to get back to the table. You know, we all our lives are so busy. It's easy to grab dinner and sit on the couch or eat at different times. Um, But that time around the family table, I think is so important for kids, you know, memories of what it was like being a part of their family. And the the conversations around the table um, are just really like hard to beat when everybody is, you know, breaking bread together and talking about their day. So we give uh, a recipe every in a, in an email twice a week, we have a new recipe. And then it also includes a shopping list. So it's easy to say, okay, I'm going to screenshot this on my phone when I'm at the grocery store, here's what I need to get. Um, and then we have table talk, which is just like a fun little prompt Aww. for when you're around the table. Like let's give you something to ask everybody. Yeah. So that's has been kids love those
0: types of things. They ask us questions. Oh, they want really? To- they want to answer them all. So oh, it's, you just have so much going on, so much for everyone else to kind of immerse themselves into. One of the things that I had read in your books is all about these different traditions. And I loved your opening to your parents in this new cookbook where you say, for my parents who started the traditions I love most. they was so heartwarming. And it reminds you as a parent, if you're in the parenting years now, to try and weave those traditions in. Mm-hmm. So I wrote down some of the different ones. Like your family motto, but then the rodeo. And well, I want to come float the Scott River. That's an eight year old trip. I've seen all these different ones. So, can you tell us about some of the traditions that your family has?
1: Yes. Yeah, so, Brian and I are both from, um, well, fifth and sixth generation, California families, which is pretty rare in California. And so we still have so much of our extended families around. And, um, both of us were lucky to grow up what, one of four and one of five with big families. And those, I think it it really lends itself to traditions, but I think it's so important no matter, you know, how big your family is or how, how much extended family you have around, um, When Brian and I first had little kids, you know, we'd both been lucky to grow up with a family's really steeped in tradition, but we heard something that really stuck with us. And that was, you know, when raising kids, the best thing you can do is, create a strong family culture within your own family because as kids grow into the teenage years they're going to be looking to glom on to some you know a club a group a culture Mm -hmm. and if your culture if your family culture isn't strong at home they're going to look for that elsewhere and the way you create that family culture is with these traditions and, you know, where kids can say, oh, my family always did that. Or every year we do this, or just knowing that there's, there's small things that are important to you as a family. And they definitely don't have to be every year we go to Hawaii, you know, it's the little things that they remember. Like every year, the day after Thanksgiving, you know, we go on a family hike up to the top of the mountain and get our Christmas tree or, um, you know, in, in our family, my mom is very competitive and loves games. So, you know, every Easter there's, the egg drop contest. That's like, Mm -hmm. you know, the seventh grade science experiment and, um, and decorating contests and, she she brings in a lot of that fun. Um, and at you know, Christmas, we have like an, a Christmas cracker tradition that are literally rolls of toilet paper with one dollar lotto card, lotto tickets in it, or you know, little fun tiny things. And one of her traditions that I've always loved, that my children love, is called the gym crack box that we talk about a little bit in the book. Uh, but all those little tchotchke things you get here and there, you know, freebies or whatever, she puts in this chest. And it can be things like the free toothbrush from the dentist. Like there don't Mm -hmm. have to be fancy things, but she puts all these little things that she doesn't know what to do with in the gym crack box. And so when grandkids are over, they get to go visit the gym crack box and pick one of these things. Um, So, you know, they're they're little traditions that don't have to cost a lot of money. They don't have to take a lot of time. Uh, But just having that feel a part of your family culture, I think is so important um, for kids and for us as adults, as we grow up and start our own families. Wow. Yeah, there's a lot
0: to be inspired from in your books. And you got the rodeos that you go to. And you talk a lot about how traditions so often revolve around food. And you give great ideas for different even holiday food ideas, like the little nest, the little bread nest with the egg inside. I mean, that's that's Mm -hmm. (laughs) things that kids would remember for a long time. What about this concept of date night? I am kind of with you, especially when kids are small, that sometimes you can have date night with your family around, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is kind of counterintuitive. But if you're outdoors, and I think well, you are at the age now, and so am I with the kids that they can watch themselves. But when they're younger, sometimes we're really limited on babysitter options, which was a problem that you were trying to solve. But mm-hmm. can you talk about what you did when your family was small, and you would talk about good meals and yeah, letting them for run? sure.
1: I, you know, I think finding that time with your spouse is, is really important. And that's one thing that um, Brian has always been really good about. And We even from early on, we decided that you know our relationship always had to come first, and we wanted to model that for our kids. You know, I think it's easy to get lost in like my kids are the most important thing to me in the world, and like my spouse is you know alongside me, but we wanted to show like we're a united front, we're you're going to be here for. 18 to 25 years, depending on, you know, how long kids stay in the house these days. <laughs> but, um, and then we're, you know, but this is my partner for life and we're raising you to find that partner for life. So we didn't want them to necessarily feel like they were the center of the world. And it, you know, it seems a little harsh, but he would tell them even when they were little, like, I love you girls so, so much. I love, I would do anything for you. Um, but guess what? I always I love your mom a teeny tiny bit more. And they were like, what and he's like your mom is my person. She's my number one, and we both love you so much. But that is what life is all about: is finding your person that you love above everything else. Mm-hmm. And so he does a great job of modeling that just in in our family. And you know he has a carries a lot of weight raising four daughters mm-hmm. <laughs> to help them find somebody. And he set the bar very high um, as a dad and a husband for what they're going to find. But we would always try to sneak in date time or date nights whenever we could. And 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 like you said, you know, it's hard to find babysitters or um, there's always things that feel like they're an obstacle for that. Where we are, we live in a small town. There's not a lot of options to go out to eat. Mm -hmm. Um, So what we found was, you know, just taking a drive in the car together, like he has to go fill up with gas, like I'm going to jump in the truck with you. (laughs) We love windshield time. Um, And now it's sometimes, you know, we'll eat together as a family. And then after dinner, it's like, okay, girls, you're cleaning up. Mom and I are going to go drive up to, the, you know, sit around a bonfire for an hour. We'll see in an hour. The kitchen should be clean when we get back. And they respect that. And for us, you know, it doesn't have to be a four hour dinner and a movie or in a meal or it really is just about finding that time to connect um, and to show our girls that we make that a priority. Mm-hmm. This
0: episode is brought to you by Better Help. Question, what's the first thing you do if you had an extra hour in your day? read a few chapters of that book, start painting that guest bedroom, tackle that pile of laundry, play a card game with your kids. A lot of us spending our lives wishing we had more time. The question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. If you're feeling stuck, therapy is something that can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Therapy is a wonderful thing it can help you learn positive coping skills or show you how to navigate properly setting boundaries with BetterHelp, it's easy to get started you just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist it's entirely online and designed to be convenient if you're thinking of starting therapy give BetterHelp a try and visit betterhelp.com slash 1000 hours to get 10% off your first month that's BetterHelp, help com/slash slash 1000 hours Everyone wants to start their year off on the right foot, and for me, that means making sure I'm eating well and have enough energy to do everything I want to do. But I'm not going to run to the butcher every day to get a fresh cut of quality meat. That's why Good Chop is such a lifesaver for our family. Good Chop offers fully customizable boxes of high-quality meat and seafood delivered to your door on your schedule. Their products are vacuum-sealed and frozen at peak freshness, so you can stock your freezer and cook when you want we had a somewhat last-minute get-together recently, and it was so incredibly convenient to just head to the freezer and pull out a couple bags of Good Chops hamburger patties to whip up some burgers quickly. They were so delicious. Besides being delicious, it's important to know it won't cost you a fortune either. Good Chops' price per meal starts at just $3.74. Go to goodchop.com slash outside120 and use code outside120 to get $120 off across your first four boxes. That's code OUTSIDE120 at com slash OUTSIDE120 for $120 off. com slash OUTSIDE120 code OUTSIDE120. I love that. And I think people will be inspired by that, that it can be different than what it looks like for the next family. It can be unique to our circumstance. So Mary, people want to find you. There was a lot of websites, a lot of websites,
1: 5marysfarm.com. <laughs> yep. Farms with a nest. So 5 Marys Farms is kind of our, ba- our home base where we mm-hmm. have a little bit of everything that we do. Yes,
0: and you can buy your meat there. So we got a meat box recently. It is phenomenal. Phenomenal <laughs> Thank because you. it's dry aged. I, it's different. Uh-huh. We we try and buy because we live next to a a guy that owns some cows. So we try and buy grass-fed beef,
1: but this is different. It is. It is different, different meat and that's what we set out to to make is really high quality meat. And unfortunately, you know, the system in our country is not set up well for most farmers and ranchers to finish animals all the way to the end. So a lot of times those that livestock will change hands to six to eight different people, uh, or companies before it hits your grocery store shelves. So there's breeders, and then there's backgrounders and stalkers, and then it goes to, you know, finishing, and then it goes to a distributor. So we wanted to be the only person handling your meat from start all the way to finish. And it's taken us eight years to be there you know wow. we we had to build our own usda butchery so that these animals that we spend so much time making sure that they're well fed we start with great genetics for great marbling um, they're on good finish programs we're creating this great quality meat and then you we don't want to just give it to anybody to mm-hmm. put in packages so we have our own butchery so we control everything from start to finish um and we dry age you know Lamb or pork, which we also raise and sell, um, you can harvest a lamb or pork and, you know, put it on a spit or do a roast and eat it same day. Beef needs to hang Mm. Um, for the tenderness, for the flavor. You want a little bit of that um, water evaporation. And so we really believed in this dry aging concept, which Um, you lose volume. So most places can't do that because they get paid by the pound. So they want it to be as heavy as possible. Whereas we sell it by the cut. So we would much rather that That ribeye is the most phenomenal bite of meat you've ever had, then worry about how much it weighs. Um, And we dry age the whole carcass. So our ground beef is dry aged, which really makes it taste different. And I love how many kids recognize that. I'll have kids tell their mom, like, this isn't Five Marys. Like they can taste it in a taco. Mm -hmm. Yes. Immediately. Order another
0: box. Immediately. A f- phenomenal. Yeah. And it comes in a cool box with your branded M5 on there. In fact, I did a workshop earlier this year at a conference with Joel Salatin, and he was oh, so wow. complimentary of you and how you oh, had wow. helped him get his shipping up and off the ground. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, yeah. this is how you're living your life. You're so open handed and you're helping. You're really seeing what people need. And I thought that was such a cool thing. I mean, we could keep that information for ourselves. And yet you you did that for him and he was so grateful he talked about it at length. Aww. And so 5 Mary's Farms with an S, dot com so People can come, yeah. the cookbook's there, the ebook is there, your story and all this inspiration is there. You have other recipes there that I saw, like a sheet pan, like a tray of sloppy joes, all sorts of cool <laughs> things right on the website, beef stroganoff. So the website
1: is fantastic. And then you have Mary.today. Yeah, married today is kind of where we share um a lot more recipes, blog posts and um some cuts. We have like a cut list. So if you're like, I got a sirloin steak, what am I going to do with this? We break down every part of the animal so that you can go there, learn what the best way is like a brisket. You're not just going to cook it like a steak because it's tougher. It comes from an area of the animal that moves more. So where there's more movement in muscle, you need to braise it or cook it low and slow. So we give kind of tips on the background of cuts with some links to some recipes there yeah. as well.
0: Yeah. And then there's ranch.school.
1: Yes. Ranch school is something that we started during the pandemic. We were like, you know, this looks like an opportunity to really find a creative way to reach kids. And so we created a digital platform with 40 workshops um, that are all about raising livestock, dairies, harvesting trees, um, making candles, making bread, canning and preserving, how to tie a knot, how to use a knife everything from welding woodworking so each of these workshops um has an interactive video with worksheets that you can print and fill out and then um there are like extra resources and things that people can do to make it a whole lesson and it works great for homeschoolers or who people who just want to supplement you know kids aren't learning at school how to build a fort and tie a knot and go camping. And so um, they're fun, even for grandparents, you know, the videos are short. And then there's things that you can print out. There's entrepreneurs workshops, like, okay, you want to raise chickens, let's talk about it. How much does it cost to raise a chicken? Is it worth it? You know, obviously, there's other great reasons to raise chickens. But if you think you're going to make money selling eggs, let's look at how much they cost in the grocery store versus what your inputs are to get to that egg and mm-hmm. and contemplate you know is it worth it yeah. but uh it's a really fun program that we have um thousands of families now in this ranch mm-hmm. school community we've got an online forum where people post you know what they're doing and questions and um, pictures of their kids interacting with it which has been really neat mm-hmm. and i
0: love that you put it's for toddlers all the way through grandparents anyone who has some that they want to learn and things that you know maybe they have holes in their own education so that's awesome and then you have because you are a seasoned entrepreneur. You have an entrepreneur course. So that's m5entrepreneurs.com, which is yep. relaunching. Yeah. Yes.
1: So when we started selling meat, you know, we knew as first generation farmers that we had to do this direct to consumer. We didn't want to have middlemen getting our meat to someone else. So we wanted to put it in a box and ship it to their doorstep, which we do to all 50 states in an insulated box with dry mm-hmm. ice. Um, the learning curve for that was steep, it took about a year and a half. And lots of wasted dollars on the wrong kind of box, the wrong kind of insulation, the wrong kind of, you know, cold gel packs versus dry ice and like how not to pay $300 a box to FedEx, Um, Mm -hmm. building a website, all these things. And I had so many people asking me, like, we want to do this too. And, you know, in my view, I love the cooperativeness of, you know, helping other people do the same. There are lots of mouths to feed in this country and everybody eats Three times a day. So I didn't ever feel like oh, it was going to be competition. There's only so much meat Brian and I can raise. So we um, started a course to help other people. You know, it started as kind of helping them figure out how we had done this direct to consumer operation. But in the course of the 20 different businesses that I've started, you know, he eventually kind of phased out a law and really started helping me open businesses because he has that passion too. So in the course of all these businesses that are in and outside of agriculture um we put all of our knowledge in these courses on everything from you know entity formation do i need to be an llc or an s corp what's the liability um insurance payroll employees like a lot of the kind of really important aspects of running a business but also the creativeness and flexibility you have as an entrepreneur um and just like my parenting book called They Can Do It. Our main tagline for the M5 Entrepreneurs course is you can do it. Because I firmly believe that it's so important. If you're going to be an entrepreneur, you have to get scrappy. You have to figure out how to do these things on yourself. If you're going to go hire a graphic designer and a web designer and a this and a this, you're going to pay so much money out of the gate. And then you're left with these assets that you don't really know how to manage. You know, you don't know how to change that logo or wow. change a page on your website. So I like to give entrepreneurs the tools to say, you can do this. Um, we have a beginning business bootcamp that is 14 lessons. If you do one a day, you can have a business going in two weeks, wow. literally everything from your logo, your entity, your website, your Facebook page, how to market, how to brand, how to start selling to customers. Um, and so that one, we also have a young entrepreneurs beginning business boot camp, which is the same thing—14 days to launch, which is awesome. If there's a kid that has any kind of entrepreneurial gene in their body or desire in their body, you know, I my grandfather was kind of an entrepreneur, and I think mm-hmm. that's where I was inspired. I love by, that but
0: stories. But he would drive around and say, "What should we put in a taco?
1: A taco place, yes, ice cream you shop?" Did. You really <laughs> did your research, Jenny. Uh, I yeah, love the you know, book. At-
0: it's I I really oh, truly you. enjoyed the. Story. Stories and enjoy your website and all of these you put out such mm, impactful information that's very practical so i love that story about it was it grandpa jim or something yep grandpa jim
1: good job yeah <laughs> yeah just driving around looking at empty storefronts like what what could that be so the entrepreneur's course um is relaunching with bite-sized kind of modules. It used to be a whole comprehensive course. And I think, you know, in these days, people want to use their money a little bit more wisely for just what they need when they mm-hmm. need it. So we have um, 45 different workshops on everything from email marketing, branding, how to use Instagram, you know, insurance, hosting events, liabilities, all the important things. And I'm lucky that I my husband is a, former lawyer still technically a lawyer but now he's pretty much feeds cows and ranches Um, but he gives a lot of insight too which is helpful for people because it's it's hard to know where to go to find that information if you don't have somebody in your life that can help you with it yeah
0: that is phenomenal well you have so much for people to sort through that will really enhance their lives in these cookbooks like i said fantastic five marys family style is the new one Five Mary's ranch raised cookbook is the one from just a few years ago. So they both would be a fabulous addition to anyone's shelves. I know you are running off to do other farm things, but we always end with a favorite outdoor memory
1: of yours from when you were a kid. Oh, that's a great one. Um when I was a kid, before uh I was eight, we lived in a house up on a canyon. And uh, we were kind of at the end of a cul-de-sac and we had a lot of freedom to go explore this canyon. Um, And my mom, you know, it was kind of those days of like be home before dark. And so we would rally up, you know, a couple neighbor kids that lived in this sort of remote part of the county that were all different ages and, you know, usually wouldn't have been hanging out together. And we would go exploring in the canyon and put put snacks in a backpack and be gone all day um and those memories of that freedom and that time spent outside uh knowing you know we could build a fort with sticks or do whatever we wanted i think was was really formative for me um we'd always come back with poison oak every time And my mom would have to take us all apart and put it in the washer and wash everything. Um, But I give her a lot of credit because it was worth it. You know, she didn't say, no, you can't go there. You're going to get poison oak. Um, But she, and she, she paid dearly for it. One time she got all of our clothes, did the wash, got us in the shower and then um, went to put her own clothes in the wash. And she had put, you know, her hands behind her her pants to take them off and had two handprints of poison oak on her bum (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> she took her clothes off oh, and mom. then washed her hands but she was a great mom to uh to let us do that despite the pr- the price she paid for that um those outdoor memories wow and i love it and your kids you see the freedom watching your stories and stuff you see that you're passing
0: on the same things well mary thank you i know you have to run this has been an absolute delight and honor for me we love what you're doing we love your products i mean cannot say highly enough how much that we have enjoyed the meat box that we, that we've been using recently and, um, absolutely love the cookbooks. And thank you. Thank you.
1: No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why?